Justified Season 6, Episode 4 is over, but we're just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Justified Podcast. I am Josh Wiggler. I'm joined here by a man who I love to death, but, you know, Lord help him. He just never takes out the snake with the trash. It's Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, what's the deal with that? That I don't take out the snake with the trash? Yeah, why don't you do that? I'm a peacock. But you're, you are a peacock. Of all the people I know on post-show recaps, I would call you a peacock before anybody else. I mean, I'm a peacock. Well, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to poke my head up. You know, sometimes I got to burn one on the way out the door. You just never know with me. It's just annoying because like, you're already taking out the trash. The snake is right there. You may as well just do it and save yourself a trip. Certainly save me a trip, but you just never do. The snake is just always still there. Hey, listen, I'm Italian and I taste like grapefruit. All right. That's right. This much I know uh, just from <laughs> from from our several conversations over the year. Uh, I, I believe that's the case. Fair, fair, fair enough. Um, as long as you know and as long as you know my true nature, I think we're OK. I know you smell like grapefruit. Well, that that is the result of years of hard work and scientific testing. Yeah, I don't want to publicly admit that uh, that I know that you taste like grapefruit, though. I think I did already. Yeah, well, sometimes if you're eating a grapefruit in the morning, you got to be... I'm not going to finish that joke. Hey, hey, hey. Not going to finish that joke. All right, everybody, we're starting over. Just kidding. We're not starting over. We're going to leave all that in. Welcome. We're on the air. Welcome to the Justified Podcast this week. Antonio, another great episode of Justified Season 6. Season 6 officially on fire. Is that that where we are at this point? I think we already were. Yeah. I mean, it it is a roaring burn at this point. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not. I don't know if it's. I mean, I guess it's actually literally a roaring burn this week because somebody blew up. Uh, that was amazing, Mr. Wiz. <laughs> That's kind of what I was going for. Yeah, Mr. Wizard. Not so much a wizard, perhaps. Is it Mr. Wizard or Mr. Wiz? I think it's Mr. Wiz. He certainly made himself disappear. Oh so. my god! What a what a great character! What a great one off character! It was kind of a half off. He was like, and I don't mean like in the literal sense, although that also applies. But he was only in a couple scenes, but very memorable, Mr. Wiz. It's just classic justified to have somebody in there who you think is going to be this big deal. And boop, he's gone. He's yeah, dead. He is, he's he is <laughs> literally blowed up. Yeah, he's just, you know, painting the room. <laughs> yeah, he's just there to paint the scenery, to chew some scenery. Honest. No, I think the scenery, the scenery chewed on him a little bit. Boom. Uh, pretty good stuff this week. Uh, a great date between Ava Crowder and Catherine Hale. I was obviously a big fan of that, given my uh, feelings on Catherine Hale. And I love Ava, too. But man, Catherine Hale, crushing hard. I am crushing hard on Catherine Hale. I just assume that that's what it's always like when women get together. Am I wrong about that? They yeah. always go out to jewelry stores and run a little con and maybe eat some really nice food for lunch, do a little cocaine in the middle of the table. Yeah, that just seems like normal girl stuff. Yeah, that's what isn't that what brunch is like? The whole thing is just brunch, right? I, yeah, I think that's what they call brunch. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's, you live in New York. You know, brunch culture. From what I know of brunch culture, and I don't participate too much just because I'm kind of an introvert. But what I know of brunch culture is that you, you do some cocaine, you go out, you rob some jewelry stores, you maybe threaten the person you're having brunch with. Uh, just <laughs> that, that's that's my understanding of the concept. Uh, I don't know why they call it brunch, though. And then at the end, one of you gets a massage, but the other one has to leave. Yeah, you got to go. You, you got to go. It's, it's to not leave. brunch anymore. It's, it's my massage. Yeah, brunch is over. It's massage time. Yeah, man, right. I'm, I'm going to go for brunch one time. Can we do that? Yeah, we could do that. You're coming to New York soon, aren't you? I am. All right, we'll go to brunch. Oh, boy. And we will not podcast about the results because we are going to need alibis. You're, so we're going to go to brunch somewhere upstate or? No, 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 no. Antonio, we don't talk about that. Oh, shit. It's not something we discuss. 
Sorry about that, Josh. Anyway, let's uh, let's massage this episode of Justified. The Trash and the Snake, uh, named as such because of a great comment made by uh, by Art Mullen. What did you think of this episode, Antonio? What do you think? How do you, how do you think this episode is fitting in the puzzle that is this final season? What do you think it's moving forward? What do you think it's kind of reserving? What are your thoughts overall? Well, I like that uh, Avery Markham's kind of come out of the shadows and that and that everybody, at least in, in play, the people who are the key players in the game, know who Avery Markham is. And at this point, actually know what he's trying to do. Uh, we had speculated on that from episode one on and hadn't really come up with uh, the underpinnings of what his grand plan is, why the safe was important, why we needed to do any of that, why they were trying to buy a plan, any of that. I, I like that that all came to bear right away now. So not, not only do we know kind of who the big bad wolf is, but we know what the big bad wolf's kind of on about. And I really like that because I don't think the season needs to hold that back anymore than it already has for there to be a lot of drama going on here. And I think that the way that that played out here, especially interjecting Loretta into the mix. Yes was really, really good. Uh, it gives us a lot to look forward to uh, as we progress through this season. I like that some of the one-off storytelling is, is occurring still, but it's occurring in ways that are at least somewhat connected to the main plot. So I have nothing but good things to say overall. I mean, I really like the direction that it's heading in, and I think that they know that they're on their final season, so not a lot of wasted time here. Uh, you know, it can't be a bad episode of Justified if both Loretta McCready and Dickie Bennett are in the mix. Exactly. Right. And, I mean, I and think I, we had bad. We had a bad episode or bad-ish episode of Justified with just Loretta in the mix. But if you have both Loretta and Dickie Bennett in the mix, it can't be bad. It's hard to be terrible. And no matter if we tell him five or, or six times. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. The way that we tied Dickie Bennett in was it worked out really well. Loretta. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was great. LM. <laughs> Hello. Like, it couldn't be more obvious, Dickie. Come on, son. That was great. I heard there was a woman behind it. <laughs> oh, my God. Raylan Dickie. figures it out in the room. Dickie's such an idiot. He wants to be smart, and he just isn't close to it. Uh. It's so it's so bad for him. And he... The, he <laughs> He talks about splinters on buttholes and then it's turned right around on him and he gets very fake offended by it. And it's like, Dickie, who are you playing chess with here? Come on. Uh, it's great. He's playing yeah. checkers against somebody playing chess. That's uh, as is as is his want, as is very typical for Dickie Bennett. So, I, I mean, I'm just really happy with all the the way we're revisiting old characters. I don't know that we'll see Dickie again. We might. But I, I like the, the way we brought him back here. I do think we're going to see Loretta again. I'm very interested to see where your what your thoughts are on exactly where that's headed. I'm a little worried. I'm a yeah. lot worried, actually. I'm yeah, a lot worried yeah. for Loretta. Sure, yeah. absolutely. I don't think we need to talk about that too much yet, but I, I am on a similar wavelength. I think that's something we're going to talk about once we get to the Loretta thing. I'm also still feeling really worried about Tim. Gotta yeah. say, I'm yeah. getting increasingly nervous for Tim. Not good for Tim Gutterson. It's it's just not. I, there's a lot of people on this list that when once this this at this season, I mean, it started with a literal bang with with what happened with our man Dewey Crow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, man, like poor Ava. I'm just I'm getting so nervous for Ava. Uh, the way that this episode ends is just terrifying for Ava Crowder and uh, a really, I thought, tremendous ending to this episode. Uh, so uh, let's let's just dive into it. There's so much to talk about. Let's do it. All right. Let's. Uh, and while we're just keep an eye on on snakes. Also, Antonio, you're no cell phones, right? I don't. I do. You, I don't. I'll give you my cell phone. I don't want a cell phone in my hands right now. Okay. I am taking that cell phone away from Antonio right now. It is pocketed. It is off. And my phone is on silent, and that should be good enough, right? I don't know about that, Josh. Let's turn your let's take your phone and turn it off too. Okay. All right. 
it's off. I mean, you're, you're pretty much a whiz at this sort of thing, so I trust you. All right, guys. Everyone's phone is off, and we are going to talk about the trash and the snake. All right. So we pick up uh, morning after. Uh, we're doing a lot of these episodes just picking up with Boyd and Ava and, like, the, you know, right in the, in the twilight of having this really great night. That seems to be uh, a, a trend at this point. Yes, another unfortunate trend that we notice right away is Boyd is yet again watching Ava sleep. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? And talk about a snake. I mean, that is that is as we, we talk about worrying about Ava. I don't think she even knows uh, the extent of the trouble she's in. She can only imagine it, and that's why she's terrified. But I mean, I don't know on what level Boyd is suspicious of her, but he's certainly behaving like he isn't fully trusting her, and that's something to be really worried about. Regardless, it's just creepy. Yeah, I, I I mean, I like to watch people sleep, but I don't like it when people watch me sleep. Well, you don't like getting caught. Well, no, I, I definitely like don't I don't like getting caught. That's a that's a really bad part of it. Yeah, I like it when you watch me sleep, but I've given you permission. I don't know that Ava has given Boyd permission here. Shit, sometimes you've paid me to do it. Yeah, well, don't say that. Come on. God damn it. We're recording <laughs> a podcast here. I'm sorry. Uh, all oh, right. I know. I'm sorry. I'm just spilling all our secrets here. But no, you're right. I It is not. It's just not a good deal for Ava. She's she's literally sleeping with the enemy in some respects. And though she's not adversely treating him like the enemy. She's treating him like it enough that he would already be, she already has a right to feel guilty. And she, she does so in this episode, but yeah, it's not, if Boyd found out even what's gone on so far, she'd be cut out and cut out would be the best thing that could happen. to her. She could be cut up too. I mean, yeah, that would be the worst thing. That could you know, who knows, who knows what would happen at this point, but yeah. So, uh, he, he has to go off to work. He's got a text from, from Duffy that says downstairs. So he's going to go off and do his thing. Uh, uh, with with Duffy and he's like I'll I'll be gone until the afternoon and she says good uh, and he's like isn't that supposed to be bad that I'm gone all afternoon she's like oh you know I was gonna get a massage and stuff like that and uh, he kind of seems to accept it but as soon as he leaves she goes straight to the phone she's got a she's got business with Raylan and here's Raylan coming to the hotel which seems like an astronomically bad idea. It really does. A stairwell is no place to hide. I mean, at least go somewhere where Boyd is unlikely to go. If you could find a place like that, the stairwell, though, is just not a good place at all. You know, it would be one thing if Raylan was like a a law enforcement officer that Boyd does not know. Uh, The fact that Raylan is not just a law enforcement officer that Boyd knows, he's like a guy that Boyd very, very, very much knows and could recognize very quickly. Wynn Duffy could recognize him quickly. What if Wynn Duffy is coming back from the spa and he runs into Raylan here? It's not a good idea. Raylan should not be showing up at this hotel. Very bad call. Yeah, and not even incognito. He's wearing the hat. He's wearing the hat! Yeah, go cognito at the very least. At the very least. So he's not even going cognito. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, Is that like going commando or It's no? a lot like going commando. It's and just, he, it just involves your head. Yeah, it's, it's head commando. It. Uh, and so Raylan, Raylan and Ava are talking, and Ava clues Raylan into the whole Avery Markham thing. It says, uh, you know, he came over. Uh, he had this, this conversation with us. It was not a friendly chat. Uh, and so so now Markham is on Raylan's radar, and that's going to provide a lot of the meat of this episode. I thought this was a great Raylan episode, even though uh, I think that you know his episode last week was was good, but you know most of the focus was on Boyd and Ava and those characters. I thought this was a great week for Raylan. 
Yeah, he gets to interact with Loretta and he gets to interact with Dickie and he gets to interact with Avery Markham and Ava. He's all over the map. And this is a great episode for Raylan in terms of these characters all have some kind of meaning to him. Some that he's not really assigned any meaning except for the big bad. He knew that Ty Walker had a boss and he knew that Ty Walker wasn't in charge and he wanted to talk to that boss before. So that's something he's been kind of pining for. Loretta being involved, Dickie Bennett, uh, Ava, all the things that Raylan does are very key moments for Raylan in this episode. You're right. You're right. It's a very good Raylan episode. And it's it's great here in this scene between Raylan and Ava because finally Ava's giving him something useful. You know, it's it's this is the, this is the target. She says this is this is the guy that Boyd thought that he was, you know, messing around with. And Raylan has deduced that he says uh, so Boyd thought he was pulling off uh, a, a, a small potatoes heist. Uh, and what he was actually doing was pissing off the big bad wolf. So there you go. Right on the show. The big bad wolf is what we're calling uh what is his name mr mr heavy karma man is that right mr heavy karma yeah, yeah so i love that he smells like sulfur according yeah, mr. to mr heavy Car- karma smells like sulfur uh that's pretty gross anyway raylan is on the hunt he's interested now yeah i just i love all the metaphors for avery markham smells like sulfur very devil based kind of you know uh satan kind of thing there the big bad wolf just everything you could possibly the, the guys the guy is just the way that he carries himself his head he's doing so much with his head uh the, in, in the ways the characters are talking about him when he's not on screen he's a bad man and they're doing a great job of conveying like he's not the kind of guy to mess with and yet we find out a lot more about him this episode maybe he's also a snitch so it's very interesting what we're hearing about uh, in the indirect characterization of Avery Markham, as well as the direct. It's a lot about what we're hearing and not seeing with not just him, but with some other characters too, which I really enjoyed about not just this episode, but this season so far. I think it's it's been really strong that uh, a lot of these people's reputations are getting built up, and it's going to be interesting to see how the reality matches up with the legend of, of some of these characters. Yeah, because we see that right there in the next scene, right? We see Catherine Hale. She's there to meet with Ava. She's in Ava's hotel room, and she says, well, I'm paying for it, so they gave me the key. But it's terrifying because we know from what other people have said about this world. Like, if you're a woman in this world, you have to be hard and you have to be tough. In fact, maybe even harder or tougher than the men. And we know she's playing a lot of games, and she's above and beyond a lot of what's going on. So for her to show up, by reputation alone, it's a terrifying moment, uh, I think, for the audience and Ava in this next scene. Gotta be honest, I wouldn't be mad if she just showed up in my hotel room. I'm sure you wouldn't. I mean, I, and I'm listen, I'm starting to feel you, so I understand what you're saying. But uh, but it, nonetheless, if you're Ava Crowder, it's, Not good. it's definitely it's definitely a uh, pants-peeing moment for sure. Oh, yeah, you're definitely peeing your pants at that moment, and especially when she's like, I was just out for a cigarette. And uh, she's like, well, did you forget your cigarettes? Because oh her God. cigarettes have been left behind. It's oh. uh, like, no, I just, you know, I tend to take one cigarette and just go out and smoke that one. Smoke them one at a time. Smoke one at a time. And uh, Catherine Hale, oh, my God, here's what she says. She says, next time you step out for one, you let me know. I don't smoke anymore, but I love standing next to people who still do. And I'm just like, mm, yeah, you're the best. <laughs> you're just the best. Everything you're saying is so great right now. See, and I'm, I'm terrified by so I think that we uh, draw our psycho uh, analysis connections as we will. But uh, you're that that what is terrifying to me is titillating to you. Uh, I think that's interesting. It's very titillating indeed. All right, let's go to Art Mullen's house. Another another great scene. Uh, first appearance of Art since I think the first episode. Is that right? 
I think that's right. At least, at least by my remember. You know, so Art is still, he's obviously, he's still out of this. He's not running the Marshal Service right now. Uh, he's still obviously in a lot of pain from, from the gunshot from, from, uh, Daryl Crow last season. Um, so he's not doing well and he's kicked his wife out of the house so he can make some, some eggs. So he can make some, some breakfast. Yeah, cause he's sick of eating twi- twigs and cat food and shit. <laughs> well, I would be sick of eating cat food as well. And I think I'd be getting sick of eating twigs, but I'd be done with cat food by now. Have you ever eaten cat food? Um, no, but I have witnessed people who have. I've eaten dried cat food. I would never eat wet cat food. Why did you eat dried cat food? I don't know. Cause it was there. Same reason someone that, climbed Mount is Everest. There, is there a, a kosher story you can tell right now? Well, I ate it because it was kosher. Yeah. Oh, come on. Don't do this <laughs> word play with me right now, Antonio. Be honest. Be real. I was in high school, you know, and you want to try to come up with crazy stuff you can do. And you could have ended that I was in high school. That's maybe funny. you're under the influence of substances. Maybe you're not. But uh, dried cat food is there. It looks like a, you could perfectly eat it. And I'm sure it's not unfit for human consumption. It just isn't. It's super high in protein, right? Yeah. So art is art is with <laughs> art. I'm just moving on. I'm you trying just to moved save, right on. I'm trying to save you here, Antonio. You I'm moving right on. No, 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 no. You, you pushed me into it. Listen, I did push you into it and I feel really bad about that. And I guess. That's just to, to out myself. I said I'd be sick of the cat food. I'd be close to sick with the twigs. I didn't say anything about the shit. Uh, well, that is very true. So, you know, if anything, I'm, I'm going to out myself there. Not that I've eaten shit before. This is an honest question. If they had pizza flavored dry cat food, would you be tempted? I thought that you were going to say shit covered pizza. I was going to say <laughs> no way. Um, <laughs> may, maybe I'd be tempted potentially just like to try one. I do have yeah. cats and I think I would get them for my cats and I might try one. Because I'm pretty sure they make pizza-flavored dog treats, and I don't think I would eat one, but I don't know. All right. Well, if any of you guys know of pizza-flavored cat food, uh, don't send it my way because I might be tempted to eat cat food. Let's do it. But Art is not. Art is not. He wants bacon and eggs, um, and he also wants to give Raylan some advice. But even even more than that, Raylan is here to pick Art's brain. You know, Art is Art and Raylan seem to be decent these days. You know, Art and Raylan had a really rocky season five of Justified, and I think that there's still a level of mistrust between Art and Raylan, or at the very least, things are out on the table and they know who each other are. And Art is trying to coach Raylan into just like getting the hell away from this thing. Just finish this thing up and get out of here but this avery markham thing man it's just it's a thorn in Raylan's side right now he can't get over it yeah and this is the thing art's been on the job for a really long time so he's actually a really good resource i'd like this use of art if you're not going to put him back in charge of the marshal's office this is great right it's like this sort of uh i don't know if it's there's a star wars connection there but it's just this sort of intelligent wizened old master who can give the young person some advice uh that they have based on the job in both scenes that we've seen with art this season he's kind of served in this role he's a bit of a yoda He's a bit of a Yoda, right? Where he's like Yoda. And and the more, you know, he doesn't shave, his skin's getting a little wrinkly. And that's what cable news will do to a man. It makes him very Yoda-esque. Yeah, uh, I could see that. But I mean, I do. I really love this use of art because it it totally makes sense in the context of the story. Of course, Raylan would go to art uh, because he finds out Avery Markham's involved and he he knows that Avery Markham was a big player in Kentucky back in the day. And if art's been around and on the job, then, of course, art may have a lot of knowledge here about Avery Markham. And art does drop some knowledge that Avery might have been a snitch. Yeah. that he might have actually dimed out Mr. Hale, Catherine's husband. Uh, And that's actually really valuable information, I think, to Raylan, because that's 
that's what brings us to the whole Cobras and trash conversation. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, so so here's what we find out. We find out that Grady, Hale, and Avery Markham were partners in slinging weed. Um, Grady goes to jail. Markham goes to nobody knows where. Uh, he, he just gets up and goes. Uh, and Raylan wonders if he flipped. And Art says, somebody did. Uh, and the only person who knew the snitch's name was AUSA Simon Poole. And he forgot the name when they blew off half of his head with a shotgun on the corners of Limestone and Bar. Uh, so nobody knows who dimed out Grady Hale. It certainly seems like it was Avery Markham. And it certainly seems like Avery Markham had the AUSA that helped him dime out Grady Hale killed. So this yeah. is a ruthless, ruthless guy if this is true. Yeah. Yeah, he's I mean, he's the kind of guy that would would be weaselly enough and slippery enough and slimy enough to dime out his partner, but then also ruthless enough to kill the guy he dimed him out to. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, but Art's kind of like, but why do you care? You're 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 working this thing on Boyd. You're wrapping this this case up with Boyd and then you're moving on to Florida. Why are you interested in this? And Raylan's just like, it's interesting. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this, I'm interested. Um, and it's, you know, he's he's trying to just get Raylan away from this. He's trying to get him away from this, but Raylan can't. Uh, and it all comes down to the trash and the snake. Uh, Raylan says, if your mom asks you to take out the trash, you do it. But if you see a copperhead on the way out, you don't go back inside and say you didn't do nothing because you weren't told to. You take out the trash and the snake. Uh, and art, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good point that Raylan raises. Absolutely. Uh, I think that most people, if they don't have a fear of snakes would probably do the same thing. Uh, that might be a generous assessment of most people, to be honest. No, I mean, I think that, but it's a sort of thing where it's like, look, if I'm, if I'm tasked to go to the grocery store and I see something happening along the way, I can either say, well, nope, I was only supposed to go to the grocery store or I can stop and get myself involved in what was also happening where I could make an impact. And there are people that choose to just drive on and not do anything. And there are people that choose to stop. And I think Raylan's point is, look, I, I was tasked with one thing, but there's this other thing here. And just because it's threatening doesn't mean I should stop. And right. I think Art's reply is really good, though. Yeah. Art's reply first off is, didn't your mom always tell you that there's always another snake? Uh, which is the point of which is if you declare war on all of them, they're going to outbreed you and they're going to outlast you. And Raylan says, so are you telling me not to do the job? And Art says, no, I'm telling you not to get your ass bit. Yeah. Cut to, cut to credits. Uh, a great transition to the credits. Fantastic. And I got to say, both conversations that Art has had with Raylan have been this sort of foreboding uh, where, where Art has kind of warned Raylan, like, listen, be careful. I think the first conversation he had this season, he tells him, like, listen, eventually you can pull your gun as many times as you want. One of these times you're going to get hit. Yeah. And this time he's saying, hey, you can mess with as many snakes as you want, but don't get bit. And you could get bit. So be very careful here. Yeah. Look no further back than season four. You don't want to get bit by snakes. It's not good on Justified. Uh, yes, exactly. Especially if you're uh, Joseph Mazziello or whatever. Yeah, you don't want that at all. Even Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy survived, but that was really bad. It was no fun. I mean, he, it was fun for us, but he's walking around with a snake in his face. Yeah, it was pretty bad. So don't don't yeah. get bit by snakes unjustified, I think, is a good rule of thumb if you can avoid it. Uh, let's talk about another snake, a, a fat snake, if you will, Calhoun. We're back with Calhoun as a little bit of a slippery guy. He, he's been caught, you know, like his, his whole thing, that everything that he's been doing with, with the Markham group, uh, that's on Raylan and Tim's radar at this point. Raylan has the blackmail ledger. He's trying to make sense of the thing, and Calhoun's really not talking. No, he's not. And and I think this is interesting because 
we talked about how Avery Markham, if he's if he's the guy who dimes somebody out, but he's also the guy who kills somebody. He's both the wolf and the kind of slippery guy, because a lot of these other characters are one dimensional. You don't think Calhoun is the guy that's going to pull the trigger on somebody. Gary Hawkins, we saw when he was in over his head, what that ended up looking like when when he was trying to be both. So far too rare are the characters who are both slippery and slimy enough to dime somebody out and p- protect themselves, but also ruthless enough to kill somebody. And Calhoun's another one where he's definitely slimy, but he's really just looking out for himself. And he's not really a threat, but he's not really helpful either here. Right. Well, I mean, eventually he starts talking. Eventually they start figuring out what all of this stuff means. You know, there's all these names in this book, and these names belong to the spots that Avery has an eye on buying land for or has already bought. Um, And the the names that have lines through them have been bought. Names that have lines through them, um, that's that's a cash offer that's been accepted. Line in a circle is first offer declined, counter offer accepted. And then what else do we find? We find out, uh, I think that it's, there, there's one system for uh, circle to next out. Is, circle to next yeah, out circle, is, yeah. Circle to next out is more than one offer was made and it was refused both times. Um, yeah. It turns out that's what happened to the Hutchins, the, the two people that called uh, Ty Walker a peacock. Yeah, eventually, uh, Mr. Calhoun just starts vomiting exposition, right? So he's Occam's Razor, Thor's Hammer, who gives a shit? Right. He starts talking about how they're the land of Christmas tree weed. Basically, you know, I guess just big, big marijuana plants will grow there. And I that, guess that uh, makes sense. You know, that was that was the Bennett thing for a long time. So that's established. Yep. And and I we start to find out kind of the maybe the tendrils or the specifics of this plan uh, and how it plays out with Betty and John Hutchins. Unfortunately, that was they were holdouts and uh, and carbon monoxide poisoning apparently conveniently killed them. So we'll see exactly where that goes. But yeah. this is all very helpful information, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. And uh, that certainly gets Raylan on the path because he knows that the, the Hutchins, Betty Hutchins and her husband, their names were on the list. Uh, so he he knows that uh, this if, if there's foul play involved this is a place where he could probably start to look um, the other thing that I got out of this scene is that I guess Calhoun ran for mayor once yeah are you gonna run for mayor again they say I thought for some reason I thought he was a senator didn't we didn't we see him popping up as a senator or representative in another a, program I think that was a different show Oh, okay. Sorry about that. But I bet that he still likes a hug every now and then. You're, I see. The thing is, I just feel like uh, I just feel like Brad Leland is just he's the same guy in every show, right? He's playing one. There's like a isn't there it's like just a all Buddy Garrity? There's like a combined universe, right? It's like the Marvel thing where he all he, of these shows he are the linked Nick Fury by him. of all of these shows. Yes, he is. He has to be right. Oh man, that's a good. I want to live in that world. I want to live in that world. I'll write that fan fiction. All right, I'll read it. He went from Dillon, Texas to God knows where in Nevada. Uh, and then he ended up in Kentucky and, and kind of uh, reinvented himself as a realtor. It worked out well for him. It worked out great for us, too. Yeah, well, we're all very lucky for that having happened. All right, let's get out of Calhoun's. Let's go to Catherine's hotel room. Don't mind if I do. And she oh, is, she is having lunch with Ava Crowder. We're once again talking about Ava Crowder as a cheerleader in high school. Uh, this has been coming up a lot lately. Yeah, I think the writers like writing about that. I don't know why. I don't know. I mean, is this something that we're going to connect back to in any way at any point in time? Is there going to be a scene where Ava Crowder is in a cheerleader uniform? Chekhov's cheerleader? Is that what we're talking about? I kind of feel like that. I mean, like, you don't just keep dropping this all the time throughout this season if it's not going to build up to something. I mean, we had the the conversation with Boyd about that. We're hearing it again here. Uh, Is there going to be a moment where Ava is in a cheerleader uniform? 
I don't know. I mean, I, on some level it's, it's really good to kind of establish Ava's innocence in some way, because the Ava Crowder that we've known, the first episode we see Ava Crowder, she's sort of nonplussed about killing her husband in her living room. And she's offering Raylan Coca-Cola and cooking him dinner in the same room, talking about how she had a hard time clearing up the bloodstain. So we've only really known Ava as this kind of hardened sort of Harlan woman uh, who has lived with criminals, who understands criminal enterprise and who seems has embraced it. In fact, she's killed somebody. Yeah. So to put her back in jeopardy and to make us really worried about her, I do think it helps to continually reestablish that she was once this young, innocent cheerleader type uh, who was wide eyed and had visions and dreams of being different. Uh, And maybe she's been in this life for a little too long, but that doesn't mean she still can't be afraid or be jeopardized. So on some level, I think it does make sense to continue to mention the fact that she was a cheerleader, but they're mentioning it so much that I'm almost now looking for it. Yeah, it's just a little weird. I just feel like if there's like a scene where Boyd no longer trusts Ava and she just shows up in a cheerleader's uniform, he's going to trust her again immediately. <laughs> well, I think I would too, to be fair. I just think that that could happen. Uh, but yeah, so, so they're talking a little more. It seems like Catherine wants to know more about um, Ava's past with, with uh, Bowman Crowder. She's really interested in that and she starts to explain why a little bit. She says, I was married to Grady for 20 years and I loved that man with all my heart. But there were days, weeks... Months, really. My question is this. When you pulled that trigger, how did it feel? Because I have to think it felt great. Woof. Uh, so, I mean, I guess we want to know, like, what is it like to shoot your spouse? Uh, man, I, I hope it doesn't feel that good because I don't want to get shot. I'm, I'm married. I don't want to get shot. Well, then you better damn well stay in line, brother. God. I know I, I, I this is Catherine Hale at her best, right? Like she is just so she's like a spider building a web and she's just really like a praying mantis or something. She's just uh, you just have a feeling she eats her young. Like yeah. it's really like uh, she's a tough one. And I, I do think that she's pushing the conversation to very uncomfortable boundaries for Ava, because I do think there's, there's a large part of this this brunch, if you will. Is sort of feeling her out. Like, is she really under the under the thumb of the U.S. Marshals or is she really this pretty hard person who can kind of survive? And what's she willing to do in order to make herself survive? And where, where could that end up? And so I think she's purposefully taking it to these places because she does want to feel Ava out and does want to know more about her specifically and how she kind of feels about all that's going on because she wants to know who she really is at her level. And, and we see that I'm emphasized by the main course that peace the resistance at this brunch yeah so what did you think was going to be under the under the lid a gun yeah i thought like a gun like a severed head or like something really gnarly nope just cocaine not so bad not so bad just but kidding, also that's intense but also not so good yeah, it's like hey, hey we're Ava, taking do coke with me yeah we're gonna we're going from zero to 60 on this brunch right now yeah gone in 60 seconds ava's just like ah this is kind of not my thing and Catherine hale's like ah darling this is the good stuff this is pharmaceutical grade believe me you're going to need it for what i have planned mm-hmm. um i have in my notes after that just wow uh, yeah. I what mean, does she I mean, have planned? That's I what just, I'm saying. <laughs> pharmaceutical grade Coke. Like, what are they going to do? Storm a Colombian embassy? Like, what's happening here? Oh, my God. I had I had no clue what was going to come next. I was really excited with that. And I think where it ended up going was was very fun. But I thought they were like going to rob a bank or, or kill a guy or just do something really crazy. Um, wow. Catherine Hale breaking out the big stuff. Now I'm terrified. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, this is the thing like justified is seems like a very, and this season seems to be trending a very marijuana based season. And Raylan even says to Avery Markham at one point in this episode, no, no, I'm not going to bust you for weed. Don't worry about that. Yeah. But cocaine is a, is a different animal. And we've seen what happens with the harder stuff on the show, whether it's heroin or whether it's Coke or whatever it is, uh, people pop an Oxycontin, people get out of control with the, the harder stuff. So I do think it's interesting, uh, to kind of up the ante, if you will, it really changes the dynamic of, a friendly brunch that's for sure yeah i gotta say so so when this is revealed and it becomes clear to me that okay so part of Catherine hale's character she loves the good stuff she loves the the farm grade coke uh i am thinking at this point bobby quarrels i'm thinking like this is like something like potential downward spiral on on the way with, with this lady here like obviously not as might not be as put together as she comes off as might be a little bit more fast and loose, a little bit off the rails, uh, rails, uh, banging than, than she appears. Yeah. And I think that's accurate. I think that, uh, she's definitely got some weaknesses, uh, in terms of wanting to prove that, that she was behind what was going on with Grady or that she was, she was deserving of the life she once lived and is deserving of it again. She has that sort of, it seems to me that she organizes a jewelry store thing just as a sort of a spiteful way of revenge at yes. the guy in the jewelry store, not for any other reason. And it's like that sort of emotional weakness is not a becoming of her character in other respects. So it does seem like a weakness that could be exploited or that will be her un- undoing. Uh, it will be interesting to track that and see how that plays out. I also thought it was interesting that if you remember the first scene with her and Avery in bed, they're smoking marijuana and he says, this is pharmaceutical grade. This yeah. is the good stuff. And so she's giving that same line to Ava there. And I don't know if that's meant to, to show the similarities of her and Avery, if it's meant to show that she picked that up or that that line was particularly resonant with her. Uh, I don't know, but I, I like that little connection there uh, because it does kind of add a little subtle note to her character uh, with just the language that she chooses uh, because we've heard it before. We've heard it spoken to her before. So it does say a lot about, you're right, what she likes out of life, what matters to her, what resonates with her, and ultimately what could be used against her uh, or what could be her undoing. Uh, And that may be why she's trying to rob Avery Markham. Like she she has no business going after his money, but she's recruited boy to do this thing. uh, And she's trying to play Avery on the backside of it. And it's like, you know, you really don't need to be sticking your nose into this $3 million. Like you could live a pretty happy life uh, in in harmony with this guy, but uh, no, 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 no. Like I want to rob him because I want to prove something. And that's dangerous. That's very dangerous that's yeah, and very very dangerous it's dangerous for the people that that are going to be involved with her too so hopefully those people get some sense of who she re- really truly is yeah i mean who knows what she's really thinking here in terms of like why she wants to rob avery markham she's gonna it's she's gonna make it sound like it's it's very much like a i owe him one like i kind of just gotta go ahead and do this does she have a more practical reason than that is there a business oriented reason like does she does she really does she want the weed business is that what's going on here or is this really you know just kind of like a game to her and if it's a game to her then we all in big trouble yeah and it's not 100 percent clear but uh you're right if it is a game we are in big trouble and i don't think we have any reason to believe it's not but that's not to say that it is yeah Absolutely. All right. So let's go hang out with Boyd and Win Duffy and Win Duffy's kind of breaking down the situation of uh, what is going on here and why the whole pizza portal thing is happening. And he says that all these weed barons, they can't put their money in federal banks because pot is only legal on the state level. I, I'm following that, right? Yep. OK. Uh, and he says, hence the mercenaries guarding a pizza place 
full of wait for it antonio you ready oh i love the word play are you ready i'm so ready a pizza place full of nope oh man i see what you did there do you see what i did there i see what you did there oh man oh i feel as good as win duffy right now i love win duffy god i love win duffy i love him oh man a man's wit is never lost on me antonio no, and I, I just, I, I love that this, this guy's making bread jokes like such out a, of one side a, of his mouth. Such a dad joke. It really is, but it's right up my alley, obviously. It's great. It's really funny. Uh, so that's, that's, his, that's his contribution to the wordplay for the, for the night. I think he I like can, that he, he, can bow, he can bow and he can, he can leave. He can call it there if he wants to. Yeah, I like that. I, I like that he wants credit for it, though. Like, I like to see what I did there. Uh-huh. Like, I, I love that. Yeah, I love great. that. It was great. But yes. yeah, and I really you know what I liked about that pizza joke was the delivery. Oh, <laughs> snap. Uh, that joke was sizzling. Um, oh, sizzling. Right. So so we've got we've we've got this joke from Wynn, but but and Boyd appreciates the joke, but he has other stuff on his mind. He's really thinking like so is legal weed coming to Kentucky? Uh, is that really what's happening here? And Duffy says, yeah, probably sooner than later, the way the smoke's blowing. Um, so we're now starting to figure out what it is Avery Markham is after. He's buying up all this land so that he can set up pot farms because pot is going to get legalized in Kentucky in the universe of Justified very soon. Is it going to be legalized in uh, Kentucky in the real world very soon, Antonio? No, I mean, I think there's a there are bills being debated in the state house as we speak in my home state of Kentucky that uh, will involve legalization. But it's funny, as of about a year ago, they wanted to do just a study to to they wanted they wanted to pass a bill that would allow them to study other industrial uses of hemp. And it couldn't even make it through the Agriculture Committee because people were that upset about it. Uh, And the feds were holding, I think, some some hemp seeds at an airport, uh, not letting them pass out. So it's it's a highly debated issue in Kentucky. We're not a highly debated issue, mind you. We're we're not any we're not we're not anywhere close. We're not anywhere close to where these other states are. But I really like this storyline. Kentucky's a great milieu for it because we've seen Hot Rod. We've seen Mags Bennett. We've seen to a lesser extent, unfortunately, uh, Mr. McCready, Luther McCready. We've just seen all these characters who are involved in the weed business. And certainly it's long been said about Kentucky that if marijuana were legalized, it would it would immediately be our number one grossing crop uh, and product. And so it it's also the fact is that there are a lot of great uses for the land in eastern Kentucky. And so this actually does really resonate. Uh, there's a lot of unique things that can grow there. It's sort of a not exactly like a kind of California wine country, but it's unique in terms of the climate. I think we talked about on this show why why bourbon works so well in Kentucky, because we have four distinct seasons that affect the way the land is and affect the way the air is. And that affects the farming, too. So it's a great farm state, especially the eastern part of that state. So all of that is really on point, whether or not we're that close politically or not. I thought this is a great, great storyline for this season to justify, because I promise you, this very scenario is playing out in states where they are a little closer, and we're probably not far from this scenario playing out in Kentucky. So I really like this. Yeah. I also just really like it because it's a callback to you know what many people consider to be the greatest season of Justified. Right, uh, with the, season two. Yeah, the fact that, that, that the weed business was so central to season two, and here it is again in season six. It just feels like a really cool shout-out to, to the history of the show. So I, I really like that that's been pushed to the forefront in this final season so far. I think right. 
Right. And with time passing such that it's a different ball game, it's not the Mags Bennett killing Mr. McCready in the first episode and fighting over, uh, you know, whether she can keep the land to, to grow weed and Dickie Bennett getting that as part of his enterprise and whether that's going to be worth anything. Uh, that's not the story anymore. Now the story is, hey, it's going to get legalized. So we want all these farms for legal purposes. This is a different kind of criminal enterprise. And it's uh, it's much like uh, I, I covered Boardwalk Empire for uh, for post show recaps here with the great Jeremiah Panhorst of the Mad Men podcast. And the final season of Boardwalk Empire, without spoiling anything, uh, spoiling anything is, is nearing when prohibition is ending. And a lot of the characters are aligning themselves to be distributors of alcohol and to kind of control alcohol rights once prohibition ends. And we're in a very it's a very similar place that our characters in Justified find themselves this season. So it works really well for television. And you're right. The, the great mirror, of course, is that in season two, it was a purely criminal enterprise. And in, and in season six, it's about using a criminal enterprise to later play your stake in a legalized one, like like Joseph Kennedy is alleged to have done with bootlegging. So it all plays out really, really well. Uh, let's talk about Mr. Wiz. But let's talk about Mr. Wiz, because as as many people as there are playing some great plans in Kentucky and doing great and and intelligent things. We have Mr. Wiz. We have Mr. Wiz, who who Duffy tells uh, this is how Duffy describes him to boys. This is such a great description. I'd love to meet somebody with this description in mind. He says, my guy is a handful. He's irritating. His brain is fried from who knows what. You're going to want to punch him, but he's very good. Uh, Boyd is not happy to hear this. <laughs> and, and Duffy says, look, what I'm saying is have fun with it. I, yeah. I just thought that that was a really good setup for what was going to come next. It's almost like impossible to live up to the expectations of what, what Duffy has just set up here. No, I agree. I agree. But I think that uh, by and large, Mr. Wiz does it. Yeah, they made they made it work because this is justified and justified can walk the walk when they talk the talk. Uh, It's it's great. And so Mr. Wiz, I guess he's he's like the demolitions guy. He's Duffy's guy. He doesn't use him unless he really needs to. Uh, He also has a girlfriend named Bridget who has a snake named Rudy. I thought that was neat. I'd like to hang out with Rudy the snake and I would not throw him out with the trash. Um, so oh, I'd like to hang out with Bridget. So you can have the snake, brother. I, my heart belongs to Catherine Hale. So you can have Bridget. All right, um, all right. So, so we got Mr. Wiz and he, he says like the type of safe that they are looking to crack, uh, is going to need, uh, what he describes as asymmetrical warfare shit. Uh, not C4, more like C11. I love it. Uh, so they're going to they're going to need some really heavy stuff to crack that safe. Yeah. And I, I think this is good because I this is the thing. When you introduce a character that's a demolitions expert and that's talking about Emulex, what you want, what I wondered to myself is, why can't Boyd just do this? Like, this is Boyd's specialty fire in the hole. Like, this is what he's known for. But I like that when is like, OK, no, this guy is for really interesting and unique stuff. And he's actually more of a safe cracker than he is just a guy who blows stuff up. Right. So he really knows this stuff in a kind of different way. He's more of like a. It's more of like a, I don't know, like an artist or like somebody that you don't want to deal with, but you kind of have to. Uh, that's what that's what this character is. He's not like a Boyd Crowder in that he can just go brute force or he's got this. He, he knows how to use mining explosives, but he's also this criminal mastermind. This guy is a specialist and he's an artisan. But as a result, you have to put up with his bullshit. So I love that it allows him to have bullshit like Negronis. At least he gives you Negroni. Yeah, what's it just it's Italian and it tastes like grapefruit. I don't I, want one. I love Boyd's reaction. <laughs> I, I don't, don't want, want one. one. I don't want one. Have you ever had Negroni before? 
I've had several Negronis, yes. I think I've had Negroni before. I don't, I don't remember liking it very much. Okay, I don't remember them ever tasting like grapefruit. So maybe I haven't had a good Negroni, or maybe they're not supposed to taste that much like grapefruit. But I feel like it's, uh, it's, been, it's made, you know, craft cocktails are kind of in, in vogue right now. And oh, I, feel I like know it's, why I uh, don't like it. It's got Campari in it. I don't like Campari. Yeah, that's not your favorite. Neither does Jerry Falwell, as it turns out. It's just not, it's not my thing. Yeah, well, not everybody. Campari is not for everybody, that's for sure. And I think that is like a, a grapefruit liqueur, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe that's where the grapefruit flavor comes from. Yeah. In an act of desperation one time, I tried to drink Campari straight. It was a bad call. And were you like 15 or something? Yes. What's going on there? It was very young. It was not great. <laughs> it's like uh, I saw some I was at a party the other night and someone was just drinking straight Bailey's and I was like I don't know that people do that my but I guess you can that. my father he just, does he just Bailey's in a couple of ice yeah, cubes my father's a child you know he just uh, he drinks <laughs> well, my chocolate milk yeah it's basically what it is anyway we don't need to talk about uh, all of this right now uh, suffice to say I would turn down the Negroni as well I think I would I think I would take a Negroni but I'm not sure I would take it from Mr. Wiz I would not take it from Mr. Wiz and I think I would just turn it down anyway yeah, well, hey, listen, sometimes you got to test one and they're going to blow up a test safe, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's cool. So they've got they've got this exact safe on the other side of town. Yeah, somewhere in a mine that's just hanging out. Apparently. Uh, so so Mr. Wiz takes takes Boyd and Duffy to this place where he is going to crack a safe to show them how they can do it. It's like they get to do like a VR run. Yeah, which uh, I guess as far as that goes, that's about as good of a that's good of a kind of scenario as you could hope for, at, at least in theory. In theory, yeah. Uh, well, in reality, in we'll reality, not so great. I mean, could have been great, but somebody disobeyed the rules. Wiz asks for their cell phones. It looks like they hand over the cell phone. Yeah, I think they did hand over their cell phones. So is there like a secret cell phone? I think it was, uh, I think it was Mr. Wiz's own cell phone. Oh, is that what it was? I think he forgot to get his, rid of his own cell phone. I think he was very, uh, very specific about getting rid of theirs, but I think he forgot to take his own out of his own pocket. Oh man. You think that's what happened? I do think that's what happened. I think that he was so focused on getting rid of theirs and focused on the task at hand that he didn't get rid of his own cell phone and he was hoist by his own petard, shall we say. See, the only, the only other thing, and we're fast forwarding a little bit, but I feel like we're on the topic, so why not? But I I, I kind of had this thought. So we, we find out by the end of the episode that Boyd is going to want to take. He's going to he wants the big bad wolf's plan. He wants to do what Avery Markham is planning to do. Uh, and in this moment, is there any chance that like Boyd turns on his phone to have this guy blow up because he knows how that kind of thing works? He's done that before. Yeah, I mean, that would uh, that would be I I didn't get that from the episode, but that would not be at all that foreign. I I I got to say, if it's me, I'm not comfortable with how close they were to that blast. That's a fair but point. you're right. Boyd might know better. I don't know. Probably just fan fiction. Fan fiction. Probably just a little bit. You're a storyteller. It's what you do. Anyway, so we go to the jewelry store. Let's go to the jewelry store. This scene is great. Uh, I had no idea what the plan was. I Again, I'm always just looking for somebody to like pull out a gun and shoot somebody on Justified. I'm very afraid that that's always what's going to happen in any given scene. And I kind of thought that every time the jeweler was like going down to pick something up or look at something, I just thought Catherine Hale was just like going to pull out a Glock and pop the guy. Uh, instead, she's just stealing tennis bracelets. Yeah, just, you know, just, well, just one tennis bracelet even, not even one for Ava. Comparatively not as bad. 
No, and 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 still bad, still not great, uh, still probably felony level crime, honestly, based on the value of that tennis bracelet. But uh, but still not uh, still not nearly as bad as it could have been for this guy, right? Not as bad as it could have been. How how about a uh, coked up Ava Crowder? Who <laughs> it's it's like it's subtle, but but Joel Carter is just so good that like you could just tell pretty immediately, like oh yeah, she's coked up. Yeah, she's on edge. She's racing a little bit. Like she's sort of fidgety and worried about her earrings and being so nervous. And, and even like Catherine Hale's being like, "That's enough, sweetheart." <laughs> like, yeah, 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 don't lay it on too thick. Yeah, here. like take it back a step. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that she 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 does so well in the scene. I also think she was probably legitimately nervous, right? Like because she's being asked to participate in this very heart racing kind of silly, petty little crime for seemingly no reason. Yeah, it's like the last thing she needs to. You know, she, right. Ava Crowder's got to be nervous all the time right now, and so for this just to be thrown in on top of everything, it's like okay, enough. Yeah, yeah, this is. Uh, uh, like I said, for no for no reason other than it seems to be Catherine Hale just wanted to be spiteful to this guy yeah. for locking the door on her. Uh, was there any part of you like when they were trying to push the earrings on her? Were you thinking like tracker? You know, I wasn't thinking that. Is that something that that you were thinking? Like maybe only, uh, only because I watched way too much Twenty Four, and that's the sort of thing that I think. But that's not this show. <laughs> well, like, oh, you know, is Catherine Hale going to try and track Ava? Is that what's going on? I think people do things closer to the analog way on uh, Justified. Yes, it's true. But in the next scene, Tim says he wants Sigourney Weaver to choke him out with her thighs. And I feel like that is a very Jack Bauer way to kill somebody. That's absolutely. That's one of Jack Bauer's favorite ways to kill somebody. Uh, I know. I know. I know my Jack Bauer, most of it anyway. So uh, so maybe there's a little subtle connection there just for you, Josh. Maybe. Maybe just for me. Uh, yeah. So we get in the car and, and Catherine Hale is just like, I just kind of like this guy sucks. And, uh, you know, once upon a time, I used to come into his store and he would, you know, greet me with champagne. And now she now he locks the door on me so screw that guy uh you know he he's not going to do anything about this because i he thinks i have to choose to have him or one of his mongoloid kids killed uh so Catherine hill's feeling pretty good right now she's feeling on fire dropping hard m's too by the way i know it's a hard m like I, I, I mean, I, I appreciate as always Justified's very flowery and creative use of language to, you know, to use words that they maybe wouldn't have felt felt as comfortable as using. But that, that's a hard M for sure. It's a hard M. Uh, so that's intense. I think you know the big takeaway here is just once again like the the confidence that Catherine Hale has. Like uh, it's it's attractive and it's exciting and it it really makes you like the character and it makes you fear the character but you got to fear for the character as well cuz like it it borders on you know confidence borders on recklessness here a little bit i think so because i i mean we we talked about this is she playing uh, some kind of ploy to get at ava to put ava in a spot it certainly seemed like that could have been the case jack bauer or not but uh but regardless if this is her real reason for doing it then it is kind of from a position of weakness that is sort of masked as confidence uh and that is i think I think makes her vulnerable to uh, to manipulation or to being operated against instead of with. Yeah. Uh, instead of whiz. Yes. Instead of Mr. Whiz. <laughs> uh, so Raylan and Tim, they're in their car. They get out of their car at the Hutchins residence. Uh, Tim, very funny, saying, so what are you going to tell me? What's the story of Mrs. Hutchins? Was she the teacher who cared, who watered little Raylan so he could blossom? Uh, uh, yeah, that's great. And Raylan hated her. Raylan hated her, but she she made him uh, convinced to not just do a job for money. Yeah. So that's good. <laughs> you're now you're doing a job you love. What a hero! 
Yeah, exactly. It's great. I mean, I the the banter between Raylan and Tim is always top notch, and I think no exception in this scene here. They Tim is just this kind of. Uh, you know, he's a military veteran and he's, he's sort of laconic or acerbic. He, he just is always making these very dry and wry observations, uh, you know, suggesting that Raylan killed Gary and carrying that on as a running joke and not really playing it for, for much comedy, just straight up saying it. And, uh, so I, I always enjoy the, the banter between the two. It's going to be a real shame when Tim gets killed. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It'll be a real shame when we lose Tim later this season. Yeah, well, we'll get to a moment later in this episode where that was just like immediately like, no, stop. Uh, so we'll get there. We'll get to that point. I agree with Tim, by the way, in terms of like how I would like to die. I would not mind Sigourney Weaver choking me to death with her thighs. I would actually prefer her to, to flamethrower me or to rip me apart with a power loader, but that's because I'm an Aliens fan. I was going to say, you're, you're more on the Ridley team than the uh, giant uh, Avatar team, and that's fair. Uh, I gotta be honest. I'm an aliens man over alien. Oh, I got you. I got you. And I think a lot, I think, I think a lot of people are right. I love alien. Don't get me wrong. Aliens like Ghostbusters two has a very special place in my heart. You, you seem to like these, uh, lesser loved sequels. My so, three favorite movies are sequels. And back to the future three is the third. No, but I actually really like back to the future. I three believe, uh, I believe Catherine Hale is, I was going to say, I believe we've got a big Mary Steenburgen role there for you. <laughs> I love you, Mary. Yeah. So it's, there it's we good. go. It's a good thing. Uh, so yeah, so Raylan, he's figuring out his theory, uh, that, you know, it seems like, it seems like this must've been a Markham job. Uh, and Tim seems like, you know, he's saying like, we can't prove it, you know, proving a failed furnace is arson is going to be really difficult. If it was a fire, maybe, uh, but then Tim says, shake my hand, congratulate me, uh, because it turns out that the windows have been covered in plastic and taped shut. Uh, so Tim, he's going to bet a silver dollar that these people have no next of kin. The house is going to go up for auction and our Avery Markham is going to get it for a song. Uh, so these two are on the right track. Yeah. And, and I, not only that, but, uh, good work by Tim. Great work by Tim. Awesome work yeah. by Tim. Yeah, he he sniffs it out literally and, and figuratively. He has a, a really kind of clever way of letting Raylan know. I just think that that was all really solid work by Tim there. Totally, and I I uh, like you. I really do appreciate that. Justified is just letting Tim be really awesome and really good at his job in the you know the episodes leading up until his untimely death. Yeah, I mean, I the more we get to see Tim at his peak, the more I recognize that. Uh, it's probably fleeting, so it's just unfortunate. Oh, man, I really hope that's not where we're going. That's probably where we're going. It just that's feels probably like, where we're it going. It just feels like that's where we're going. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God, I'm nervous. I'm sweating. I'm well, sweating right now. But you know what? It could be worse. I could be blowing up via cell phone right now, which is what's happening to Mr. Wiz. Yeah, you could be exploding your gutterson. Yeah, well, my guttersons could be leaking out my ears. Oh, that would be no good. That but they do speak Arabic in Tunisia. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah, and, and I thought I would because Tunisia is a big part of Lost. Yeah, and I think that they even speak Arabic in Tunisia on Lost. But uh, but I do like the I like the backstory. We get some of the actual Jer Burns, I think, and the character of Win Duffy being a surfer and growing up on the beach. I think that that is a a true fact of Jer Burns, the actor who plays Win Duffy. So I always like that when they add a little character element that is a little bit connected to the person who's playing them. Yeah, I thought that was fun. Uh, you know, that's obviously that's just for Jer Burns, who is a surfer. You know, that's yeah. what they throw it on the show, but that works. Yeah, I know, and I have a question for you josh does it swing right or left does it swing right or left um that's personal i ain't talking about your little pp i'm not gonna be talking about anything involving swinging left or right on this podcast 
I got you. I got you. You're How about you, though? You're not, a, you're not a baseball fan. No, I'm not a baseball fan. Actually, I kind of like baseball. That's the one sport that I quasi know. I, I, okay, that's good. Are you a Mets fan? Uh, fair weather, but yeah. Okay, well, that's good. Then summer is usually the fairest time for weather, so that's good. But yeah, for me, both sides of the plate's fine. Either okay. way. Oh, really? You can you can uh, hit both sides. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, you gotta you gotta hit hit the way the pitches are thrown to you, man. If you're desperate to get a hit. But that's not how baseball works, right? I mean, you don't just like bat from the right side and then you like scoot over to the left side. Listen, when I was young, I had a coach, and that's what he told me. Are you serious? No, I'm definitely not serious. If you're like trying to bat opposite, don't you like plant your back foot in a different way? Like you angle yes. yourself in the different way? Yep, and you use a different helmet and you uh you wear different pants. Is that true? No, no. I don't know. You, uh, you switch you your you switch anything. Your... You could tell me that they eat cat food before the game, pizza flavored cat food before the game, and I'd believe you. I think they sometimes probably do. I know Wade Boggs is famous for his pregame rituals, so uh, it's entirely possible. No, baseball. If you're if you're switching sides of the plate, you're switching your hands on the bat, um, and of course you're holding the bat slightly differently as a result of that. But other than that, yeah, you're facing a different direction, so your weight shifts differently. But it's all in the wrists, baby. It's all in the wrists. Oh man. I just, I mean, just talking about it again, I really, I'm thinking about that pizza cat food. <laughs> I understand completely. Anyway. I mean, I think that, here's the thing, are pizza combos your favorite combos? Yes, of course. <laughs> then I think you would eat pizza cat food, because combos and cat food are not that far apart. This podcast is not brought to you by combos. Uh, now I want combos. Combos are like in the, in the reverse nature box. They're in the doesn't, doesn't exist in nature box. Yeah. My arteries are hurting thinking about. Yeah, and I, I, know, I understand that. My and arteries my, are also hurting thinking about Mr. Wiz blowing up just because all of my body hurts thinking about all of his body exploding. But that is such a it, it's yet another moment for Win Duffy where he witnesses someone dying right in front of him and he just has to stand there and take their blood on his face. I know it's so great. It's just, you can't have a good season of Justified without Win Duffy just getting blood splashed on his face. No. And, and so we've we've crossed the Rubicon with that one this year. How many times has that happened now? At, at least three that I can think of three prominent times that I can think of. Uh, if we want to count Picker, that's four. Yeah, we count. I think we count Picker. We, we count, count Picker. Emmett. We count Emmett Arnett, uh, and we count uh, the uh, the we count Stephen the, the Stephen Tobolowsky. Yeah, the the FBI agent. So that's at least four times that that's happened to Win Duffy. Yeah, I wonder if it happened in seasons one or two at all. I don't recall off the top. I like of my to head. think that Win Duffy is a time traveler, and I would like to see him at famous blood splatter moments throughout history. So, like, you know, in the Roman Colosseum, like just standing there as like maybe a gladiator who didn't get called into action, and another gladiator is getting blood on him, or you know, just to, name a, name a moment in history. Like in World War II, he's at Normandy, just standing on a beach at D Day, and uh, and blood is just splattering on him, but he's just standing there. Like I'd like to see like a Twelve Monkeys esque retelling of Win Duffy, where we see pictures or. Re- tellings of Win Duffy just standing at famous historical blood spatter moments at the very least it would be a great internet meme yeah it would Win Duffy just getting blood splattered on him yeah I think it's just like in inappropriate moments yeah yeah and then I I didn't name several of the ones that occurred to me that are highly inappropriate but you can fill in the blanks uh so Antonio I have a question for you yes what up pimp what up, pimps? What up, that is pimp? hilarious. Let's go to prison and see Dickie Bennett. Yeah, it's oh, such man. a great entrance. Uh, Antonio, to what do I owe the, these particular splinters in my asshole today? 
listen, Josh, if splinters are all you're getting, prison's treating you well. Oh, my God. What a great conversation. I love the Raylan Dickey scenes. I think they're underrated. Uh, just because, you know, Raylan has such a great chemistry with so many other characters, uh, and so many other characters have great chemistry with each other that I feel like just like Raylan and Dickey is a relationship you don't think about too often. Uh, they're great together. And in this scene, it just, it just cements that fact. Just every, I feel like every time we see Dickey Bennett, he's just getting crazier. Yeah, and I I think that's true, right? Like what prison is doing to him is just making him into a complete nutcase. And before he was negotiating for to almost get out of prison or to get a better deal, now the stakes that are on the table are what? Like some sweets, some yeah, donuts, it's like donuts, a better deal at the commissary. Yeah, donuts, cookies, soda pop. My dad would take this deal. As, as <laughs> if they I had, if they had Bailey's, he has a bit of a sweet tooth. Yeah, uh, if they had Bailey's, but, that would be it. But Dickie's not doing. Dickie says he's diabetic. <laughs> do, do we buy this? I don't know. I, I do, it's Dickie Bennett, right? Like who, who, who really knows ultimately? Oh my God. That would just be so sad. Uh, but yeah, he's rejecting all the offers, you know, Raylan and Tim, they want him to give up some information on who bought his land, who bought the land. Uh, cause his, his land is obviously going to be very much on the list of what Avery Markham wants to buy up because the Bennett's were huge pot overlords. Uh, so you would imagine that their land is especially great for it. So whoever owns Dickie's old land, they want to find that person and maybe get to Markham before anybody else. Um, and Dickey, he sold it. He sold it to, what is it, uh, L- LM Consolidated? LM Consolidated. That is just the, the, the most confusing business name I've ever heard. Yeah, the broker's name was fake. Um, and, you know, he, he didn't know, he didn't know the, the name of the lady who runs the thing. Yeah, he heard the guy behind the guy was a she. Was a she. Uh, and Raywood figures that out. Like in the room, in, in the, the room. minute, in, in the, the room, minute. in the minute. Like, come on, Dickie Bennett, you've been sitting there in prison with literally nothing else to think about, and you couldn't figure this out. And Raylan's got it in like a minute and a half. Yeah. You sold your ancestral land to Loretta McCready. Oh, yeah. And then that burns Dickie Bennett up, doesn't it? <laughs> Loretta? Loretta? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that was really good. This whole scene is very good. Uh, just like when, when Dickie is like pretending to have like a vision, he's like, oh, this must be one of my revelations. These ecstatic visions I've been having of late. Yeah. And Raylan just like, what does he say? It's like, Dickie Bennett, this is Archangel Raylan here to provide, provide you with commissary. Yeah, it's great. It uh, is great. But, it, but it, 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 in knowing like what we know about Loretta, um, I, I think this is a, a a much better turn for her than what we kind of when we saw her last time. Uh, how do you figure? Well, okay. So my friend Bryant raised this point to me, and I thought it was a really valid one that we didn't really talk about much on our podcast about season five. Is that when we when we meet Loretta in season five, she's a small time drug dealer who gets in trouble for dealing heroin to a cop's son, and is like running scams with her silly boyfriend, and like over seemingly not a big deal because she's sitting on three million dollars. So like, why is she still just a small time drug dealer and in and kind of running and operating? that kind of exposure level scam when she has $3 million, she should be in the empire business. Like it makes a lot more sense to see her buying up land and actually doing some very constructive criminal things with her life instead of being like her dad and doing really stupid things uh, that put her on the, on the radar of much more dangerous drug people. Yeah. So I actually like that she's building the empire rather than just 
for when she's sitting on $3 million, just dealing drugs randomly to high school kids. I think this is a much more resonant story. And I like that. It's like the progression from her dad to Mags. And we actually see that with her in this episode. We see her being more like Mags. And I really, she was meant to be more like Mags when we saw her in season five with what she was running on her boyfriend, but it doesn't really play out if she's just a small time drug dealer who's putting herself in jeopardy. I much prefer this Loretta who's buying up property behind the scenes, who's running this kind of enterprise and being very confusing and tricky. I much prefer that Loretta. It's interesting too, uh, because so it's coming into focus now that that snatching up land in Harlan, the, the land of Christmas tree weed, uh, is a good idea because pot might be legalized soon and you might be able to make a fortune. Wouldn't it have been nice if Mags Bennett knew this a few years ago? Oh, no doubt. Right. Because then she wouldn't have gone with the whole black, uh-huh. you know, the black, just black pike and everything that put her in jeopardy and everything that she kind of risked everything for and ended up dead as over like all of that. All if she of would that. have just sat on it with all the land she's got. She would have been she would have been a queen pin for sure. And she could have done it without selling out her town. Her boys would be alive. Well, maybe yep. probably not. Uh, probably not Cooper. Yep, and probably not Cooper. Just because, I mean, even if Raylan hadn't killed him, something would have happened. He would have, like, tripped over some kind of axe and just hit himself in the head. Ugh. He would have done something really dumb. But he I would just, have fallen, fallen down a mine shaft, maybe. Most people do. I just thought it was funny, I, just just thinking about that, of like, oh man, Mags, poor Mags. And it kind of, for me, it, it sort of crystallized something that you and I uh, came in on when we were talking about season two, Once Upon a Time, is just that uh, it, Mags Bennett, fantastic character, but was just like missing one thing, was just like missing some foresight, I think, to, to see the full picture. If she could have only seen where the wind was really blowing, uh, she would be an interesting player in this game against Avery Markham. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I I do like that uh, that we've got um, some aspect of that with Loretta, but she's not Mags. She can play as at, play at being Mags, but I, we, I love the way it plays out with Avery Markham, how he, how he literally sniffs out the plan uh, and, and knows kind of what Mags' game is. Whatever tricks that Loretta's inherited from Mags are not enough to put one over on Avery Markham, so I really like that. Not yet, but you know, Loretta's young. I feel like she's got all the potential in the world to be a better Mags Bennett. I don't hope that for her. Uh, I, I hope for a happier ending than that, but I feel like she's got Mags Bennett potential, uh, and she certainly, certainly seems tougher than we've seen her in a long time. I mean, yeah. not, the, not the, I mean, every time we see her, she's a little bit tougher, but I just felt like, uh, this episode, especially, she's just really taking no shit from anybody. Well, we've seen Ty being a total badass, and she's running the show with Ty, and he's ready to drink that apple pie. Yeah. Well, I mean, it turns out it's not poisoned, uh, but, you know, he didn't do his research. No, and she she got it from a dear friend. Yeah, she got it from a dear friend. Yeah, so he's over. He's trying to he's trying to get her to consider or to reconsider. I guess this is round two of the offer uh, to reconsider their offer to buy up her land. Um, and she's like, eh, you know, let me think about it. Here's some apple pie. Uh, it's not too sweet. It's going to give you a little bit of a headache, though. Uh, and before he even gets a chance to drink it, Raylan and Tim come in. Uh, and say, you're done talking to Loretta, it's, it's over. Uh, and he's like, I'm not sure it is. And she's like, no, you're done. I was about to pour you a drink and show you out. I says, you rejected my offer. We didn't even negotiate. <laughs> thought, yeah, it's great. I thought that was good. But yeah, so, so Raylan says to him, um, he, he has Loretta move to the right. 
so that he has a clearer line of, of fire if he needs it. Uh, and he, you know, he shows his badge. He gets his hand close enough to the gun just in case. And he says, all right, you're, you're not going to talk to me. Well, she's done talking to you. Uh, do you want to get your ass out of here or is there something else you're here to do? And here goes Ty Walker reaching, which is a dangerous thing to be doing in front of Raylan for one, but a very dangerous thing to be doing in front of Tim Gutterson, who's the best shot on the show. Yeah. Uh, but here goes Ty reaching for what we as an audience could very much think could be a gun. It's just a cell phone. So once again, Ty Walker in these moments where he could just do something really dangerous and deadly and horrifying hasn't happened yet. Uh, he just goes for the phone and he's calling up the big bad wolf. Yeah, and and this has been a while. This has been we need this. We need Raylan to be in the room with Avery. So I like this, but man, it was tense right there for a moment. It was terrifying. Yeah, was, yeah, and Loretta right in the middle of it doesn't help. It does like not she, help. she for all her, I like to drink when I think, and for all her mags ish behavior, she's still a young person. So this is a this is a scary thing for sure. All right. So what do you think of the first meeting of the big bad wolf and Givens? I'm sorry, Deputy U.S. Marshal Givens. Yeah, and and I, I the only thing I found odd is that our, that he had not ever really known who Arlo was. I mean, and I love what Raylan's response to that was. Yeah. What did, what did he say? He said, uh, Arlo's wannabe kingpin ass would be heartbroken. Yeah. That, and that was fantastic. It's like Raylan, man, he still just doesn't seem that, that, uh, all, all that upset about Arlo being gone. So he's just kind of shit talking his name. I love Sam Elliott. We talked about how, um, He's drinking the apple pie, but he makes Loretta taste it. He makes her put her finger in there and taste it first because he knows uh, he knows he's a corn. What does he say? I'm a corn cracker through and through. That's right. He grew up with yeah. his hands in the dirt. Yeah, I love that. And his daddy was a back of farmer growing up in Cynthiana. That's a great reference because that makes me wonder, does Justified take place in the same universe as The Walking Dead? Oh, really? Is that a is that a place in The Walking Dead? I believe that at least in the comic books, that Cynthiana is the, the town where Rick is a police officer. Don't reveal that you read the Walking Dead comics. People are going to demand that you do a Walking Dead book club with me. Oh, is that true? Yeah, probably. Have people been demanding that? People have asked. No, that is, I I mean, I'm positive that that is where Rick starts as a police officer. It's Cynthiana, Kentucky, and that is not far from where I live. Actually, I've been to Cynthiana a bunch. Um, It's probably only about 40 minutes from from where I am in northern Kentucky. And so when The Walking Dead came out, I was like, man, this is great. Like, this this guy is from Kentucky, the writer, and uh, it's the the, the characters, the the whole thing starts in Cynthiana. This is insane. And uh, to have Justify dropping a Cynthiana bomb was pretty cool. Do you know it's not cool? Tell me what's not cool, Josh. Is when Tim says to Avery, he says, so you traded up one leaf for another. And Avery just gives him this look. He just like stares down Gutterson for a second. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, it's not good that you just like said something that annoyed this guy. I feel no. like you're on his radar now. You don't want to be on this guy's radar. You do not. You're on his radar. You're on Choo Choo's radar. This whole thing is bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, we don't want to be on Choo Choo's radar either because uh, trains are not well known for their radar capabilities. They kind of just go in one direction. Yeah. And I feel like this is going in one direction for, for Mr. Gutterson, for our man, Tim. No, to a one direction concert. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Well, you know, everybody's a Harry Styles fan, right? Yeah. Well, you know, Tim lights up my life like nobody else. Oh boy. See, I'm going to pretend like I don't know what you're talking about. And he doesn't know he's beautiful. That one I didn't know. So you're really well ahead of me on that one. Hey. 
anyway. Uh, uh, so I like the Walking Dead comics, and Josh likes One Direction. Uh, why don't you tweet us what your likes I are? I like One Direction. Oh, I'm, I'm also I'm, not saying that Niall from One Direction is the greatest of all time, but you know, I might be saying that. The only one I know is Harry Styles, so I don't feel so bad about this. I don't anyway. feel so bad about this. Anyway, I, I'll tell you what. My One Direction is Sam Elliott. I, I love him in this scene so much. I love the way he's just tilting his head and, and kind of just moving his head around. And you, he's acting so much with his neck and from his shoulders up. And I think that's fantastic because, of course, it's a TV show. So that's what we see. But it also he's conveying so much the way he's bending and being so slippery and snake-like. Yeah, he's the big bad wolf, but he's also this guy we talked about. He looks so weird with his non-mustache and we talked about it being the the Voldemort yeah. of, of, of Justified and that Voldemort is very reptilian. He's slithering to the core. Like I do love this about what Sam Elliott is doing in this scene as well as others, but this one it really plays out. I mean, if you ever go back and watch this scene, just look for what he's doing with his head and his neck and the way he does so much just with the character movement that he's doing and the choices that he's making with just the head acting that he's doing is so awesome. I mean, he's so well known for his voice, but what he's doing with his head and his neck is just scary. I'm terrified of him. He's so, so good. It's great. It's awesome. And then he's going to burn one on the way out. Yeah, he's going to burn one on the way out because uh, he's, you know, he's having this conversation at the table and Raylan telling uh, Loretta that this man is going to make you an offer you can't refuse, sell or he kills you. And Avery says, no, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse and it's going to get you more money than you could ever imagine. And Loretta says, well, what if I don't want it at any price? And then he says, then you'd be a bird so rare as to never before been sighted. He just has a beautiful way with words, this man. He does. I mean, he, this is, uh, there's so much great greatness on Justified with, with characters like this and writing like this. And he's yet another in the long line of fantastically written characters. Yeah. And so Raylan tells him to get the hell out of there. Put your suitcase away. Put your money away and get going. Uh, you can't have my land. And now I'm telling you, you can't have Loretta's. Uh, and the big bad wolf says, or what? You're going to give me 24 hours to get out of town, Deputy U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens. Uh, and here's Tim saying, and he said he didn't do his homework. Yeah, Tim again. Just, Tim, don't talk, man. Yeah, stay quiet. <laughs> yeah. Quiet, just snipe. Stay, stay alive. Stay quiet, just snipe. Sit in the bushes, be seen, not heard, or yeah. don't be seen at all. Yeah, just stay quiet. <laughs> yeah, this is not good for Tim. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. I don't like Tim back-talking these people. I feel like, I feel like some sort of like... Uh, Tim versus like all of the Tiger Hawk people seen is in the future. Like him, like getting interrogated or something. That's just my fear. I'm very nervous about it. Yeah. And, and they're both military, right? Tiger Hawk is all connected yeah. in the military. Tim was too. So it would be somewhat fitting in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, so he's going to burn one down on his way out and, uh, We'll see what comes next. Uh, we'll see what comes next because we start hearing about him again in the next scene. Like we know what we, we, we learn more and more really about what kind of guy this is. Not only did he have the ADA murdered and not only did he dime Grady out, but Catherine Hale thinks he, he probably had Grady murdered, right? Yeah, he seems she seems to think so. Um, she she thinks it was probably it was probably him at the very least you know he ratted Grady out she knows that she feels that um, so it's definitely it seems like you know what does she say she says the prison said that it was suicide but there was a lot of Dixie Mafia muscle inside at the time and those guys know how to make a murder look like suicide as easy as baking a pie so she definitely feels like 
Grady was killed by Markham, uh, or at least ordered killed by Markham. And it seems like she's out for vengeance. Yeah. And and that is sort of maybe the, the, un, the un, unveiling of her master plan, but it, it still isn't a hundred percent clear, but it, it is clear that she has some major issues with Avery, even though he's the best lover she's ever had. I guess she's willing to sacrifice that again, praying mantis. Oh my God. I love her. I also yeah. love her because of her Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton story. Yeah. Be careful. Uh, be, you know, that is pretty good, but it's, uh, it's funny. Go ahead. You can, you can, that, that's, uh, I, that story didn't ring very true with me. I, I mean, I, I just thought it was a funny story. I just, I liked it as like a, as an example of how, you know, it's, it's like the old thing of like, um, it's like, it's like a very lady Macbeth line, you know, it's like on the, it's the, it's the women who are really in power of the situation. She's saying that she was the Hillary Clinton of the, of the Grady administration. I just thought it was funny. Yeah, it is funny. I, I it's like uh, they're driving through Arkansas and they see a guy at a gas station pump and it's Hillary's old boyfriend. And I'm like, Hillary's not from Arkansas. And then I'm like, wait a minute, Hillary lied about being from Arkansas. She's like Brian Williams. <laughs> oh no, yeah. let's not talk about Brian Williams today. No, I just it makes I, I me just, sad. I it is sad, and and I, now I can't believe anything that I see on girls because his daughter's on there. I never so believe I like, anything on there anyway. You live in you live in Brooklyn, right? Yeah, I'm that's your you. life, right? I'm, that, tell, that, I'm telling you, I don't believe any of it. Are you like a male Lena Dunham? Are you are you I, the voice of our generation? I don't think so. I don't think so. I do like Lena Dunham quite a bit, actually. Okay. Well, anyway, I uh, yeah, I I like the story. It is a good story, but I feel like the reason and her telling it is sort of, I just think it it's sort of false because I think she she has a plan with Ava all along, and she absolutely reveals it just in a little moment in this very right after she tells the Bill Clinton story, she starts talking about Albert Ficus. Yes, and that's the puny little prison guard that tried to rape Ava and ended up getting her thrown into even worse jail and allegedly <laughs> uh, uh, allegedly is the guy who changed his story, who started whistling a different tune. Um not yeah. great, not great that Catherine Hale is caught onto this. No, and and the question I guess is uh is how has she truly caught on or or exactly what's going on there or does she we know she suspects it like she said as much to win duffy in a previous scene it's in the previously on in in this episode so we know uh that she suspects it but whether she suspects it or knows it are two different things and i do think she was trying to rattle ava's cage and so it makes me wonder she rattled the cage oh there it goes there it is i love it i love it i'm a little scared now you're like me Someone who'll rattle the cages. Are you wearing hockey pants? I'm not wearing hockey pants. Okay, that's good. That's good. I, I, uh, I, I specifically, I mean, I really do like that she reveals herself to be Batman. That is a fantastic thing. Catherine Hale? No, I mean, if Catherine, no. Or no, Hillary no. Clinton. Hillary Clinton is Batman. No, I just, what I can't figure out about Catherine Hale, she's telling Ava jokes. She's saying, oh, Avery's the best lover I've ever had, but he was this. I can't tell what she's saying because she's got a weakness and she's revealing too much and what she's saying to manipulate Ava or if it's all manipulation. Uh, and if it's all manipulation, wow, Catherine Hale, wow. Because uh, I think it, it's probably mostly manipulation, but some of it's probably partly 
partly true. And I think she wants Ava to think that she's a little bit crazy. And she also wants to kind of put Ava, push Ava up a little bit and kind of bolster her and make her feel good about being a tough woman and all this stuff and talk to her about Bowman and all these things. But on the other hand, she wants to scare her. She really wants to rattle her. So I really can't figure out what her ultimate end game is. That's why the joke is sort of weird to me because it's like, oh, you want to really put her over and say she's tough and say, you know, you're like Hillary Clinton and anybody that you're with could be Boyd Crowder and it's not that big of a deal. But on the other hand, she really wants to scare her and intimidate her. So I really don't know exactly what's going on there. And it works. It works it does. so well because we haven't seen Ava this freaked out all season no. long. No, no, yeah. It does work really, really and, well. And Ava's been in some really sticky situations already at this point. She's had gum in her hair, uh, honey in her hair. Uh, yeah. It's been... It's, she's, sat, she's sat in gum. Yeah, it's been her bad. Her Dairy Queen has melted, yeah. Yeah, it's been really bad. And this is this is the one that, like, makes her want to run away. Like, the one that makes her want to get, like, Wipro, probably. Yeah. Um, so, really, really interesting stuff. We'll get We'll circle back to that in a second. Uh, let's go back to Loretta's. And Raylan's just like, you know, he's enough enough with this loretta stop acting like a badass you're a kid enjoy being a kid uh you don't have to take over the goddamn world and how do you how are you even thinking on this scale and it turns out that loretta she's just she's very sharp uh and you know she's had some bad things happen to her i think and she's you know this is the life she lives now it's just it's what she knows yeah and and this is a scene that i really like for a couple of reasons one i'm anytime raylan is talking to somebody or or talking about fatherhood or playing the dad or or any of that this season it's all over my radar because i think this is absolutely a season that is is about raylan's arc on that road and about raylan like last episode talking to the guy in the mine uh i I forget that guy's name maybe it was luther i can't remember um luther at, at the mine last week yeah, and not and Loretta's dad's not named Luther. I can't remember what his name is, Mr. McCready. But, um, but yeah, Luther at the mine last week talking to Raylan about what it's like to be a father and what it's like to be a parent. And here we have Raylan who has sort of played that weird surrogate role with Loretta and has shown weakness in that in that realm. He's been kind of his eyes have been closed to the kind of person that she is and has bailed her out of trouble in the past and has had the wool pulled over his eyes and she knows it and she's used it against Raylan uh, and actually used him t- to her benefit. And And so it's always interesting to see Raylan in this season, especially playing the dad and saying the things that he thinks a father should say, Uh, even if it's just to say, hey, you need some guards outside these doors. Yeah. (laughs) Get some big guys just to just for my own sanity, please. Yeah. Yeah. So I I just I love that. I love that. Yeah. Uh, So the so the conversation is cut short because Raylan's getting a phone call. Uh you know what? Actually, even even before we start getting into this, I do want to say one more thing about the Loretta thing. You were you said before you were worried about Loretta. Yeah, I was saying it before and I am worried. Uh, where's that coming from for you? Well, I think she's in over her head first and foremost. And I think that this uh, I think that this sort of stuff with with Ty versus Avery I think that was meant to play that out. We saw her treating Ty almost as an equal and saying, I want to drink while I think. And I think Ty was about to fall for the uh, for the old apple pie trick, even though it wasn't loaded that time. It could well have been the next time. And that would have been enough for Loretta. So I think we were meant to say that, oh, this Ty, even though we know he's a great guy and even though we know he's so powerful and has sniffed out a lot and is very clever and all these things. He's not Loretta's got him like just by virtue of learning at the altar of Mags Bennett for the time she did. She's ahead of him in terms of this sort of deal. But Markham comes in and is just 
all over her stuff from the beginning. She is a kid when she's in the scenes with Avery. She's not a kid in the scenes with a- with uh, with Raylan or, or even Ty. But when Avery walks into that room, she is a kid. Hell, everybody is, but especially her. So she's really punching above her weight when it comes to taking on Avery directly. And I think that that puts her in jeopardy. I think you combine that with the fact that Raylan does care about her and Raylan sort of emphasizing and underlining the jeopardy that she's in. And she's sort of shaking it off and not really thinking that it's serious. I think if you're talking about dramatic narrative things that could happen to really shake Raylan to the core, that's a big one. And it's another, it's a big one that could really show how truly low someone like Avery Markham was willing to go. If, if Loretta ends up dead. Yeah. And I think the other piece of that too, is just that, uh, Obviously, Raylan's a father now. He has a baby girl. We don't think that the show is going to do anything to the baby girl. God, I hope not. Um, but this this theme has been all throughout the season so far of what's Raylan going to do with you know being a father? How's he going to be a father? How's he going to treat his kid? What's he going to learn along the way? There's been a lot of lessons about this along the way. And to have that lesson learned through someone like Loretta, who is a daughter figure to Raylan, um, I, I would be worried. I would be nervous. I'd be, I'd be worried for Loretta. You know, I don't think that a character like Loretta is off the table in terms of someone who could die. Uh, if, if this show can kill Dewey Crow, I think this show could kill Loretta McCready. Oh, I agree. And I think that you're right. Don't kill Raylan's actual daughter, but kill his surrogate one. And it has a lot of the same, uh, impact that it will on Ray, on Raylan. So, um, I, she wasn't on my draft list, but no. that's only cause I wasn't sure what role she'd play in the show, but she sure as shit would be now, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not banking on that happening, but I'm not ruling it out. You know, I, I think it's, it's in the cards. It's a credit to this show that we we even think it's possible, right? Like that this is even something that we're discussing as a possibility that they would kill a child. Like some would say it's a it's a black mark on this show, I think. But it's a credit to this show that uh, that it's gone to some very dark places, such that uh, it, it would be believable that it could happen. You could buy it. I could buy it. You could buy it. All right. So let's talk about the phone call with Raylan and Ava. Ava is. Sp- Spooked. She is freaking out. Uh, and Spooked you. Gotcha. She's got, she got got. Uh, she is freaking out about uh, the whole Catherine Hale thing and everything she said. And she's like, how do I get out of here? You know, she knows. I'm telling you she knows. He's like, at best, she's testing you. She knows. I'm telling you she knows. Uh, and why do you think she's testing me? Because she didn't put a bullet in my head right then and there? She knows. Uh, and Raylan says that he wants her to go to a certain diner. But before she gets the chance in walks Boyd. Uh, Boyd has come home, and so now Ava has to, in in this really shaken and stirred state, uh, she is going to have to have a conversation with Boyd, and I feel like this is scarier than being on coke, stealing jewelry from, from a jewelry store. I feel like what's going on here is the worst thing that Ava has dealt with all season long so far. Yeah, she's at the end of a rope and it's really it's not uh, not really good that she's so rattled and and it's going to put her in a really tough spot if she's not if I mean, if Boyd were paying attention at all, it would put her in a really tough spot. But it's not really. Yeah. To the point that you tell me what you thought of this, but I think Ava was about to spill the beans. Well, I think so, too. Uh, For sure. Yeah. They're having this conversation where where she says to him, like, there's something I need to talk to you about. Uh, and Boyd says, I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to tell you something first. First off, what does he think she's going to say? 
Yeah. I, well, I, what that she, I, I forget exactly what he says, right? What does he say that he thinks it's going to be? He, I don't think that he says, I think that he's just like, is like too excited to get to his big news, which is baby. We're not leaving Harlan County. Yeah. You got, oh, it's paradise. We can stay here all we want. So forget the beaches. Yeah. Forget the beaches. You know, I look terrible in a bathing suit. These legs don't look good in this, in, in the swim trunks. <laughs> I'm the wind duffy. I can't serve. <laughs> I could buy that. I could buy that. Nah, Boyd Crowder would look great in anything. Okay. Maybe he'd be like in a swimsuit with like a bolo tie. That might work. Yeah. A speedo. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe not so speedo-y. I don't know. He just, he's so a little he's spindly. poolside in a speedo, drinking Negronis, eating uh, pizza cat food. You can't picture that? No, I can't. I mean, uh, I mean, I can, but uh, I'm, I'm sad for Walton Goggins if that's the case. No, Walton Goggins has great things in his future. It's a brief intermission just to say. Kenny Walton, Powers. Walton Goggins is going to be, if you guys didn't hear this, Walton Goggins is going to be on a new TV show on HBO called Vice Principals, where he is going to play a vice principal that goes to war against another vice principal in the school played by Danny McBride, a.k.a. Kenny Powers. So Kenny Powers versus Boyd Crowder, the TV show is coming to HBO very soon. Is that, and this is again in an, our interlude here, is that a Jody Hill show, do you know? Yes. Okay, oh man, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. I'm yeah, that's going to be a good show. I'm very excited. Anyway, resume. Resume justified conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess he just doesn't want to do the beach thing. He doesn't want to do this whole runaway plan because they don't need to anymore. They can just take Avery Markham's plan. They can rob this guy. They can kill him. Then they can buy up all the land and they can be the pot king and queen. And Harlan will will finally, it'll be, it'll be flourishing. Everything will be great. This town will be restored to its former glory. Everything's going to be fine. You're going to be so excited. I'm going to take a shower and she's not going to be very happy about it while he's in the shower. She breaks down and that's how the episode ends. Yeah. And she just, uh, she just, Joel Carter just nails that breakdown moment. Uh, doesn't Killed she? me. Killed me. She was so good. I mean, just almost a hyperventilation, like just really on the edge of it all, ready to crack in, in eight different directions. And yeah, so ready to tell Boyd exactly what she's been in, involved in. And she just needs somebody or anybody to to kind of confide in. And Catherine Hale is not her BFF. Like that whole ladies day out, the whole big brunch was um, by means of threatening her and making her feel terrible. So she doesn't really have anybody she can turn to. If I'm, if I'm, if you're, I mean, if you're Ava, why wouldn't you just skip town at this point? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the only way out as far as I'm concerned. Everything else is, is doom. I don't know. At at this point, like even that though, it's probably not going to work out. She'll get picked up. I mean, she's a marshal. Yeah. She's a BW fugitive. You know, she has no money. She can't, she's, she's stuck. She's um she's trapped between a rock and a hard stone, Antonio. Yeah, and she's more trapped than she was at the beginning of the series when we met her, which is sort of crazy to think about. That's terrible to think about. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so she really, really is. Uh, but freaking Boyd, man. Come on, Boyd. This is a yeah, terrible this, idea. This is really, really bad for Boyd. Like, this is a really bad idea for Boyd for any number of reasons, not the least of which is, let's think back to kind of even just season five of justified, but also season four and the kind of overlap of the two with, with the kind of cognoscenti or the, the powers that be, if you will, in Harlan, when Boyd is kind of going to their parties and he doesn't fit in. And that's because Boyd has always been, he's not been a a real manipulator or operator. He's tried, he's tried to get Shelby in the sheriff's office and control power the way the real power brokers control power, but he doesn't. And so he has to know that the way that legal weed, 
Reed's really going to work in Kentucky is probably some very rich politician with a whole lot of dark money is going to employ someone like Avery Markham to take it over. And then the Boyd Crowders of the world are only going to exist to the extent that the really rich and powerful people want them to. And I don't know why he's never been able to get that through his head, but it really does seem like it's going to be the case. This is not 1960 anymore. Yeah. Like this is not the era of his father. Like this is a very different time uh, and it's been operated in, in different ways. And he, he's not really in control of the smoke filled rooms. They're not happening in his bar. They're happening at weird parties, a couple towns over uh, and he has no place there. And he's already found that out. So I don't know why he thinks that he can step into these shoes and just do the same thing, but it's really not going to end well. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, hubris, man. This is flying too close to the sun. It's flying way too close to the sun. He's going to burn out and not in the way that uh, that he might want to in the weed business. I don't think this is going to work out very well for Boyd. No, I don't think so either. I don't think so. I don't think it'll work out very well for many people. No, uh, and, and, and I think that's true. And I, and I mean... Avery Markham is a is a player. Is he a pawn? Is he a king? I don't 100 percent know. And I really don't know what role Catherine Hale is playing there. But I promise you that they're all playing a game that Boyd wants to get involved in. But he's not even really on the board yet other than being used as a piece. And he wants to be a player. Uh, He's got to be very careful here because these people are all already several turns ahead of him in many different ways. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. Well, I guess we'll see where this is going. Anyway, another fantastic episode. I love this season so far. Yeah, me too. I mean, they're just they're they're building it up. You know, it's just getting so tense. And like something's even with, you know, Mr. Wiz blowing up, like I still don't feel like there's a release. Uh, It just it's it's getting so, so tight in this room. Uh, It's just getting really scary. And, you know, something's got to tip over again soon. Uh, You know, we're a few episodes out from the Dewey, the Dewey Crow thing. I feel like we're due for something really, really troubling pretty soon. Um, But maybe they're just going to keep stretching it out and as long as they're stretching it out with the character development that they've been doing and the dialogue that they've been writing uh i'm i'm good like i'm 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 putting all of my trust in the writer's hands right now they have not let me down this season so far oh nor i but uh it's part of it is just that every time sam elliott turns up on screen the the, just the menace factor gets cranked up to a power of 10 oh it's terrible and it's it's hard to dial that back i mean he's cranking it up every time he walks out there so you can blow up mr wizard for or mr wiz for comic comic relief all you want but at the end of the day you're still gonna have avery markham in the kitchen turning his head to the side and talking about he's just where he's from and the way he says things and looking at tim the way he looks at him and he is the big bad wolf. I mean, this is bad. They like, did it. He is. He smells like sulfur. Like he's on fire. It's great. It's really awesome. Uh, this, as we've said before, like you know, this show is one of the areas that it excels in. One, one of the many areas is just, just the villain department. They always have such great villains on Justified, and it's always hard to think like how can you top your, your Mags Bennett's of the world and your Bobby Quarles and things like that. Depending on how this season goes, you know, Avery Markham is going to be right up there. Uh, yeah. He, you know, you, you don't get a guy like Sam Elliott and expect him to phone it in. He is here. He has arrived. He has landed and he is terrifying. So I don't know. Everything about this season, uh, is, is rubbing me the right way, Antonio. Um, I don't know. Anything else to talk about before we punch out of here? 
No, I think we're doing this, you know, we're, we're doing this uh, so that it can get up as soon as possible. So we don't have any questions to entertain, but uh, please leave us your questions and thoughts in the comments and we'll, we'll participate along that way for sure. Yeah, we'll hang out in the comments at postshowrecaps.com. This week, we just had to do this really fast and get it up as quickly as possible uh, just for our schedules. Um, it's been it's been crazy on Post Show Recaps recently. If you guys are only listening to our Justified stuff, first off, that's great, but there's other stuff you should listen to as well. The Walking Dead is back. Rob says Nino and I are recapping that every Sunday night, and we're also doing weekly feedback shows, so listen in on, on what we've got planned. The first one is coming out this week. Uh, Antonio and Rob, you guys are talking about Better Call Saul. Uh, you've podcasted the first two episodes by now. Uh, I, I love that show. Oh, God. I'm, I'm, I'm way up on Better Call Saul right now, so I love listening to what you guys have to say about the show. So Lots of really fun stuff happening on just on, on post-show recaps. Uh, I'll, I'll tease really quickly that there's going to be a very very, very bizarre podcast coming from me later in the week, and I won't tell you what it's about, but I think you'll enjoy it or at least be embarrassed, and that will be fun. Uh, so things are great. Things are great right now, Antonio. Man, I can't. I can't. That tease is killing me. I don't even want to. So many great things happening at Post Show Recap. So please follow us on, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, postshowrecaps.com. You can leave your feedback. Josh, what's your Twitter handle? I always forget. I'm at Round Howard, like Ron Howard, but rounder. I never forget. At Round Howard. I never forget. And who are you, Antonio? I'm at AC Mazzaro. How do you, that- how do you spell that? That's set two Z's and one R, man. Okay, got it. I figured yeah. it out. Finally. I, uh, yeah. wh- what are we saying for the hashtag this week? Is it pizza cat food? It's got to be pizza cat food, right? Yeah. Hashtag pizza cat food if you made it all, all the way. Tweet us what you think. Uh, follow Post Show Recaps on Twitter as well, at Post Show Recaps. If you're not subscribed to what we're doing on the Justified Podcast, do that postshowrecaps.com slash justified. iTunes, our RSS feed is postshowrecaps.com slash justified. We'll be back next week to talk about the fifth episode of the final season of Justified. Until then, everybody, smoke them if you got them, but don't. I'm not encouraging that.